Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. And it is September. Yay! I know, it's like the official beginning of fall, football starts, oh, so many good things happen in September. I will be a year older. Yes, including the birthday for both our oldest daughter and Jason happen this upcoming week, so... Make sure to say happy birthday on our socials if you're around. I mean, if you have some good games that you're not playing, I can drop you my address. I'll gladly take them. Oh, jeez. Don't send him anything. (laughs) He doesn't even know what he wants anyway, so it's just just worthless. This is like the most difficult time of year for me because between he and our daughter, I'm like, okay, I got to get a birthday like party plan for our daughter. And Jason's like, I don't know what I want. I don't don't really want anything. And then I'm like, that can't really be true, but I, I think it is. And then I'm like, well, I should at least get him a gift. But we have a joint bank account, so he sees everything that I buy. It's well, a- we usually just go out and I pick something, and that's that's it. I know, but I do. feel like that's the worst gift ever. Just because that's not what you like doesn't mean that's not what everybody else likes. I know, I just can't comprehend someone else not liking a surprise that's heartfelt and something you really want. Well, that's not how I roll. <laughs> I know I'm trying to accept it. I'm not doing a very good job. <laughs> You'll get there. Yeah. We've only been together, what, 16, 17 years? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another 20, 20 I'll more, have it down. 20 more years, you'll have it, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I just love fall, temperatures, all that jazz. I'm not a pumpkin spice person. I'm an apple person. Apple cider, you know, I love, like, just apples in general, so I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped for fall and football, of course, is my jam. I like big fat apples. Don't. Okay. <laughs> now people are like, what are you talking about? Uh, we haven't had an inside joke come across the podcast for a long time, so I wanted to do it. Remember we talked about this. People don't like to hear inside jokes when they're not in on the inside joke. I know. That's true. But I like it. It's a cheer my daughter does. It's called Big Fat Apple Skinny Banana. I don't know what it's called, but those are the words and I like it. And it's funny. So that's why I said the thing. There you go. You're in on the joke. Thank you. Uh, yes, he has been doing cheers that our youngest daughter is doing. And primarily just to annoy her, I found. <laughs> and I tried to explain to our daughter that this is her father's love language is being annoying. <laughs> I don't think that's one of the five. I th- that might be language number six. <laughs> Apparently, because I said he did this. It was the same way when he liked me and we first started dating. He was just really annoying. And I've either become desensitized to it or. No, you just roll your eyes. At I me just like, no, I've learned to ignore it better as the years have gone by. So he's turned his full force of cheer dad towards our youngest. So. She'll thank me later. Will she, though? <laughs> eh, probably not, but it's fine. I find myself saying, why are you like this so often? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, me either. Anyway, we, as teased on some of our social media feeds, have a lot to cover in this episode. So that's enough of our mindless banter. Let's get started with some news. 
we have narrowed down uh, news a little bit to two things today for crowdfunding and news uh, just because of timing and also not that much good stuff out there. I got to be honest. I even went to look at a game found. I did find something, but it still had 25 days left on the campaign. So I will be talking about it later as long as I remember that I found it on game found. So that's like a whole thing. But the first game I talk about has a really cool theme, one that may exist. Um, I mean, this is a, a, a more high-level version. It totally exists. So comic books, obviously a major theme in games when we talk about comic book heroes, you know, all the Marvel stuff, DC stuff. But this is literally about comic books themselves. And it's called the Comic Book Bubble. This is designed by... Um, Scott Alms, who I know I recognize that name, but I couldn't name anything else that he has designed. All the tiny Epic games and Harbor are some of his popular ones. Oh yeah. Harbor. Among others, but those are some. They kept talking about the great dinosaur rush and I'm like, no one's heard of this. Why are you keep saying this thing? But the tiny Epics. Yeah. And Harbor was one of a game that I actually really enjoy. Um, Did you talk about that on the week that I wasn't here or? No, if you look on the outline, it's today. It's today? Yeah. I looked at the outline, but it's not on one of mine. (laughs) Total spoiler uh, that's coming up. So anyway, that same designer designed the comic book bubble. And it's about making the most money investing in comic books. I thought this was really interesting. Um, We have a local comic book store that's, I guess, in the comic book world is kind of known, Bookery. Um, And they do a lot of stuff with older comics and other kinds of things like that. Jason is also a huge fan of The Stash, um, which is Kevin Smith's comic book store in New Jersey. Yeah, I've never been to it, but I would like to. And we watch their show and the podcast and all that jazz. And I've also really thought about... like. You know, trading cards kind of came and went in some ways. Are comic books going to be the same? So in this game, like you have different genres of comic books and their prices are increasing and decreasing. The market's fluctuating. So you've got these cards that have comics on them, but you can use the cards in three different ways. You can either buy the comic itself based on its genre, whatever the price its genre is going for at the time. Each card has like a superpower that allows you to like manipulate the market or uh, maybe sell a comic out of turn or do something. And then you can also use the card to speculate. And there are these genre um, like icons, (laughs) like my brain is not working. It is nap time. Um, These genre icons that you can speculate and allow, um, they allow you to work with that market and kind of pool them to move like tokens around on the board uh so then you can buy and sell comics and you're basically trying to make it out with as much money as possible through your manipulation of the market and your careful acquisition and selling of comic books it looks pretty straightforward um as far as you know mechanics go you know not a ton to do but i love that the theme it's got like the comic book um artwork on the cards and even like stuff in like pow and pop like on certain as for like uh comic book names and things i think that's really cool um just this really neat pop art look to it in a fun theme in what seems like you know a pretty fun to play game so if you like comic books if you like you know kind of that market manipulation type game 
buying, selling. There's several that are like that in different varieties. Um, there's 11 days left on this Kickstarter. And what I think is even better is this game is only $20. Whoa, I'm super into this. Like, really, I am. I'm into this. The theme's cool. I like uh, economic games. It sounds amazing. Yeah, and it's in your price range. Can you believe that? I don't believe it, actually. That's crazy. You're probably not going to back it, but I think you should. I don't know. That's a super good price, and I do like Scott Alm stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. Looks fun. All right, so that's the first one. The second one, at first I was confused because I'm like, I feel like I totally talked about this. But it's another game with a similar name. And this game is called Trailblazers. Not to be confused with Trailblazer by John C. Muir. This is Trailblazers. This is um, from Bitewing Games, which is a company run by two dentists. And I think that's hilarious that they would name it Bitewing Games. Because I actually have yeah, heard that, of a Bitewing X-Ray. That is really funny. I think I've actually played a game from that company before. I know. It says there's two created. It sounds familiar. And usually they tell me, but I let me find it. Because I thought, that is so cute. That's such a cute name. Um, Criminal Capers, Renner Knizia. A couple other little games, his little games. I don't know. Anyway, what we're talking about is Trailblazers. And this is an outdoor adventure game, they call it. Which, it's got some cool stuff. Some really cool components here. And I like the idea behind it. So on your turn, you're going to draft and arrange these trail cards. And there are different kinds of trails. There are hiking trails, there are biking trails, and there are kayaking like loops. And so you're laying cards and building these and they'll like loop around and uh, you've got like campsite, your campsite is your base camp is around it. So you're trying to put these trails to match up with your campsites um, and it's all on like your your personal trail. Because you're also trying to then use the layout of these trails to meet some goals. So maybe it's a longer trail or it's where two trail types encircle like another camp. Like there's all these different ways to do that. Like, and so you're trying to kind of meet those goals by arranging these cards that have these loops going all different ways, different kinds of loops. Then there are also animals. So you can put like, there's, there's these two, they call them two modular expansions, but I would just totally use them all the time. Obviously they're animals and you can add animal figures um, to cards if there's like a matching animal on it and the animal like goes along like uh, the more animals are along a trail the more points that you get for the trail but um, you're allowed to like manipulate trail cards and things because you really want to get these specific layouts if there are animals you can't just be moving trails because there's animals on there so placing them and deciding when to place them is really important you're also you know your little You've got a little traveling hiker, biker, kayaker. Is that the word? I don't know. Your little outdoorsy person is going on these trails. And so you, you know, want to keep ahead of them so and get them on these long, exciting little trails. It's really, oh my gosh. And the animals and the little kayaker, hikers, they're wooded meeples, people. You know how I feel about the shaped wooden meeples. Oh, there's even these little like wooden um, little like campfires. It's like two little logs with the flame on top. Oh my gosh, it's so cute. I love it so much. There's also, if you are a solo player, three, not one, not two, but three solo modes that you can play, which I think is really cool. Like the standard mode, you're like fulfilling goals. Um, there's like an adventure mode where you're trying to stay ahead of these like traveling figures or like 
you've got all these cards and you're just trying to get this big loop extension animal scoring kind of thing. So that, I think that's really awesome. They thought about how to really get solo players into it. I like the idea. I like these fun games. I'm a big fan of, you know, parks and stuff like that. And this has that look of it, but with, you know, very different kinds of gameplay, but still cute wooden meeples. So if you're interested in any of that, the outdoors, check out Trailblazers. There's 13 days left on this campaign. And what's interesting is one of the pledge levels is called a travel pledge level. And you get the game and it comes in this really cool um, like carrying case and that has like a carabiner. So you can like attach it to a backpack and take it with you. And the cards are waterproof. Um, Like it's just it's super cool. Like, what? it's like this cool little clamshell case. I mean, what's not to love? So you can get the travel edition. That's only 34 bucks. If you want the standard edition, it's $49. But that also includes 186 wood figures. The art is cute. It's like simple. Um, so if you like outdoorsy kind of games, you want a game that can travel well. Uh, check out Trailblazers. 13 days, 34 bucks for the travel size, 49 for the regular game. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, I mean, it's a cool theme that everybody's putting out right now. Mm-hmm. Park, I think parks and like trekking the world kind of started it all, but uh, it's a cool theme. It's sounds like it has really good production. And the games that I was thinking of, they're two like little Reiner Knizia games. I haven't played them, but I did some. That's some what I said. Yeah, I was seeing if there's anything else because I went to the the BGG page. But yeah, those are the only ones that I could think of. Yeah, so yeah, and I think um, some of that the thematic part is because people have been spending more time at parks and places because of the pandemic, and so it's nice to kind of transition some of that into like a board game. So, yep, that is my news for this week. So let's talk about a few games that we played. And just like we shortened news, we're also going to be just talking about two games instead of three. We actually played a lot that we could talk about. So consider yourselves lucky, I guess. <laughs> um, so the first game that we're going to talk about is a new game that I picked up at Half Price Books for, I think, five bucks or something. And it is called Ceylon. And this is a game about growing tea in modern day Sri Lanka. Now, the history, if you care... There was a fungus that came and destroyed all the coffee plantations and they had to start growing tea. So that's why they grow a lot of tea now because they had to make do with what they had so they could have an economy. Why didn't you but tell way, me this when we played it? I would have been way more interested in that. Because I didn't know that until I just did the video today and I read the, <laughs> the book. <laughs> oh, I see. And, so, and some guy named James Taylor was the guy that told them they should make tea, which is pretty funny to me. Like Fire and Rain? Yeah, that's why I was listening to Fire and Rain, because <laughs> it's going in the video. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so what you're doing in this game is it's, uh, I don't know, you're, you're planting tea plantations and you're harvesting and you're trying to ship the tea. But the way you do that is through this interesting card play. Every player is going to have three cards and the cards are going to have two main actions on them and then a middle action that will let you move or take money. When I play a card, I'm going to determine which of those actions I want to take. And then the other side of the card is the action that everybody else gets to take, which is pretty, pretty neat. So if I want to plant, say I play a plant card on the other side, maybe there's a, a delivery card where you're going to deliver some uh, tea to the, the corporations. Either everybody else can take that action or they can move and take two coins. I can take my main action or I can move and take two coins. All you're trying to do is 
get as many plantations as you can, get as much tea as you can, trade that with all the uh, foreign corporations to try to earn as many points as possible. And the game's going to end when either somebody has planted all their plantations or the deck runs out. And then you're going to see who has the most points. It's a pretty simple game, but I enjoyed it. It's got really nice production, really good art. It just looks good on the table. So I'm sure that's something you dig, but... Yeah, so that's Ceylon. How do you feel about this game? Yeah, I really like the production. Like the tea leaves are these really nice like wooden bits that go down and mark your um, plantation. And the artwork, I think, is really pretty. I like the color scheme they used. Um, this game moves so fast. So I guess I don't know if that's like a positive because I want it to go longer. But in some ways for me, it's almost a negative because it's really hard to develop like a good network so it just does require a different playing strategy. And now that I've played it once, I would play it differently the next time because it's like, whoa, this is going to go by in a flash. I've got to be doing what I can and really maximizing every turn. So it is fairly simple. I mean, you're going to play a card <laughs> and pick a side to use. But, you know, trying to utilize the cards that you have, maybe you need to um, go in and use the ones that allow you to get an extra turn for later, even if you don't really need that. Your money is super tight. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's surprisingly uh, a lot of game and it plays super quick. Yeah, I enjoy it. And it, I do like that it plays fast. It's over before you know it. And you need to do something on everyone's turn, which is cool. I, I like games like that. It's nice. All right, so the next game is not a simple game. And it's not short either. No. And it's called Maracaibo. And this is a game from Alexander Pfister. It's a legacy game of sorts. It is? Campaign, whatever. Yeah, you can do a campaign. There's like seven or eight chapters. Whole pile of cards. Put tiles on the board to change up the board. We just played the regular base game. And what you're doing in this is you are taking on the role of a merchant ship or something. And you're moving around these different countries and you're either visiting a village or you're vi visiting a city and you're taking an action. You might you might trade some goods, which means you get to take a little brown disc that's on your player board off and put it there, unlocking special abilities on your board to make actions better. You may be able to play some cards from your hand, which are going to give you possible special actions, let you move on income tracks, give you points. Um, you may complete quests that will also give you points, maybe complete some of your career goals. And... What else can you do? You can uh, do combat where you can uh, join three of these other nations and try to have them take over some of the countries on the board, which is terrible imperialism, but that's what Fister does, I guess. Um, but this is a really cool game. There's tons of card play. You're building this engine. Everyone's engine is going to look different in front of them with all these extra actions they can do, all these special bonuses. Um, and it's just... I don't know. That's like a normal Fister game. It seems like it's not create like super overwhelming, but then you get into it and you realize everything you do can have so much other stuff going on, and it starts to take a little while and get a little bit overwhelming. But I really like this. I don't know if it's my favorite Fister, but I do enjoy it, and I would be willing to play it again to see if I could do something different. So, how do you feel about Maracaibo? Um, I liked it. One thing, so Boone Lake, we played last week. That is also a Fister game, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so my issue with Fister games is there seem, or Feaster, however you want to say his name, there seems to be like kind of a big learning curve at the beginning. Um, 
with all like the different types of actions that can be taken, the little rules for each action, the iconography, all of this jazz. And so I feel like the hardest thing is to find like a, a, a more precise way of teaching his games or, or maybe we just need to play with people that are able to suspend some of the rules until they're absolutely necessary because just sitting through all of it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I never want to play this freaking game. There's so much stuff. And then once Uh, we get into it, I like it. It's hard with his games though, because so much of what you're doing relates to the end. So yeah, I think it's kind of hard to suspend some of that stuff. I know. So it's really hard. It's like, uh, please suffer through the half hour to 45 minutes of me explaining the rules of this game and then once you play like around, you're like, okay, okay, I got this. Um, and that's the same way I felt about Maracaibo. Like I re- and and I like Boon Lake also. Um, Maracaibo was good. I think it went on a little too long um, because probably by like the second or th- definitely by halfway through the third round, I'm like, well, I've wrapped up everything I wanted to do. Like I honestly felt like I had done everything I wanted to do, which generally is not a good sign for me in games. Even though I just said I was upset about it in Ceylon, but. You know how I am. I don't follow the rules. Um, I, I like that there are, again, this is a game where you can kind of do your thing to get points. And however that works out for you, you, you know, just you go for it. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, having like your own little kind of like captain or admiralty card that you're following. So you're kind of working on some of your own goals. Um, you know, like Amy was we were playing with her and she was really moving really far in the Explorer track. And I wanted to, but I was like, well, you know, like I've got some bonuses for quests and, and maybe I'm just going to like run with that. Uh, and, and so like, you're kind of doing that, you know, jockeying for a position who's going to get there first. Is there going to be a space for me clearing off your board in different ways that you can, um, being able to afford cards. And like, I would get cards. I'm like, yes, cards. Great. And then I would be like, well, in order to play it, I've got to go over here, but I really could just stop and do this other thing instead. And that gives me some immediate, so like that payoff and those thought processes, I think are really great in this and making the decisions and like using the cards to maximum effect. Like I just, I think there's a lot of good stuff in it. Um, and I'm more excited to play it a second time. Same with Boone Lake. Now that I have learned all of like the little idiosyncrasies and, um, iconography and stuff the first time i suffered through it yeah and yeah that's a lot of his games you have to deal with all the fiddly rules and all that stuff but then once you get into it you're like oh okay this all makes sense seems like there's a lot of rules just for the sake of rules at points Mm -hmm. and i I don't love that but yeah once you learn it they're usually pretty smooth and makes sense it's just getting to that point but like I don't, I do not understand how this could be a legacy game. Like why? It has story. That one card that I had that was telling me where to put quests and stuff. You can put uh, like different tiles will cause different cards to come in, which like basically add events and stuff. I don't know. Hmm. I think it's fine without that. Uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> which is something I never thought I would say either. Actually. Yeah. I mean, you can, there are some you can just add tiles just to change it up, but you can do without the story, and that's probably what I'll do. I'm sure. All right. So those are the games we played. Let's keep trucking because we got a whole lot of stuff to talk about. Okay. So the problem I know is me. I do speak 70% of the podcast and that's why it's going to be so long. I'm going to try to do better, but we've got another shelf and our last shelf for a little bit here. 
because um, we're going to try to break it up, do something different next week. We'll be on vacation. And then it's just like a hop, skip and a jump. And we're already at the top 100 almost of the year. Like that is madness, people. Um, but we have one shelf left for you. And it's one of these nice little shelves. And it's got all these cute little box games that we love. Um, AEG put out a ton for a while there that I was like, at a con, you get if you bought four of them or three of them, they were $5 a piece. And I'm like, yes, of course. And thus we have a whole packed shelf of good little games, which are some of my favorite things. So Jason, what is the first game on our shelf? All right. So one of the first games, well, the first game we're going to talk about today is one of those games that we got from that $5 deal from AEG. And it is called Sale to India. And this is a little game where everybody has cubes all the all your markers are cubes and there's some cards that are going from there's like a a shipping line that's going from Lisbon to um India. And the trick here is you're using cubes as everything. You're using cubes as score trackers to track your technology, to track buildings that you built and to be a boat. So you're trying to manage, do I want to use this cube to explore? Do I want to use this cube to build? Do I want to use this cube as a point because when you use a cube to build, then you have to start your exploration all over from the beginning and try to keep going along. So it's just this puzzle of, you know, how do I want to use my cubes? How am I going to get the most points and all that kind of thing? When am I using the technology upgrades, all that kind of stuff, but it's good. And yeah, I don't think you've played this one, but I do like it. So that's sale to India. I have not played this one and I want to, cause I love those little box games. The next one, I don't know when we got this. I don't think it was a $5 sale, um, but this is Valley of the Kings Last Rites. And I know Jason has played this a lot solo. And I actually have only played it like just once, I think, recently. Um, and this is a little deck builder, um, but not like just a deck builder. It's a deck builder where you're wanting to put cards into your deck and then also get them out because you are entombing them. And you get points um, for the different sets that you're able to entomb and basically kick out of your hand. Um, in some ways, it reminds me of what you're doing in uh, Tanto Kore when you are like chambering maids. You're kind of doing that, but this is Egyptian themed. Um, and then you also then are deciding, do I want to use the card for its ability, or am I going to willing to entomb it? Um, I don't love it personally. Maybe just playing it with Jason because is this just a two player only game? Okay. No, I can play okay. it four. Um, because it's just like I feel like it's a race because once you empty out like th the pyramid cards, it's over, and so you're trying to entomb as many as possible. And I feel like. I don't get to play the cards for their abilities at all and really create really great card synergy because I'm too focused on making sure I'm not falling behind on entombing cards. Um, but there are some neat things happening there. And maybe if I played it more than once or played it with, you know, more people, it might feel a little bit differently. But it's still like a really interesting game, I think, especially if you've played a lot of deck builders when it's nice to have different kind of mechanics introduced. So that is Valley of the Kings Last Rites. Yeah, I like this game. I it, it plays similarly solo, but you got to get a certain amount of cards in the tomb to win. But same kind of deal. All right, so next up is a game that I think we bought because Katie likes a theme, and it's a theme of Romeo and Juliet. Yes. And uh, it is called Council of Verona. And this is, uh, basically it's a little micro game. So there's 15 to 18 cards. And on your turn, what you're trying to do is you're trying to influence one of the councils. So there's the main council, and then there's exile. You're going to play a card to one of those places. 
then you're allowed to use these tokens that you have to put influence on those people. And if you can have the most influence on a person, you get to use their ability at the end, and you're just trying to jockey for either the most points or to win. We've only played it a couple times, and it's been a minute, but I know there's something... That's the gist of the game, and we also have the poison expansion where you can put a poison on somebody. Unless somebody puts antidote down, that person dies, which is pretty cool. Because everything's face down, you don't know what's going on. So you can bluff, there's zero tokens, just... It's a cool little game. Fun little game, cool theme. It's a micro game, so you kind of know what you're getting there. Everybody's going to have one card. You're going to do what you can with that card. Uh, But it's fun. So that is Council of Verona. Yeah, it's a lot of like hidden role deduction kind of stuff because you're trying to get your whatever card that you have that person needs to make it out alive and you want them on the council so you want to make sure they don't get exiled or killed off with poison and um but you can influence anyone on your turn so it's like that really interesting balance um and there are other games that operate like that too but they're not romeo and juliet themed it's true. Uh, they're yeah not. the next one is also a small one of the small like five buck AEG games, and I have played the crap out of this game because I love it so much. And it's called Ravenous River. Now, I will say the artwork is kind of weird on it. And especially the box art, you, you don't really look at it and be like, oh, yeah, that looks really cool. Um, but it's honestly like a game version of the like kind of logic puzzle of okay you've got a sack of corn you've got a goose and a fox and you've got to get all of them over across river in a boat but you can only take like two at a time so it's like okay well we all you know the the goose will eat the corn if you leave it by itself the fox will eat the goose if you leave them together by themselves um but you've got to leave stuff on the bank and ferry back and how do you sort all that out ravens river is like that so everyone gets a role as one of these animals and they're kind of, they're in like a chain. I don't want to say it's like rock, paper, scissors. It's kind of like rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. So yeah, there's a whole bunch. Yeah. A whole yeah, bunch of them. Like cat eats, cat beats mouse, but dog beats cat. And then fox beats dog and horse beats fox and, and like on and on and on. So and, and the like, biggest thing gets beaten by the weakest thing, which is pretty yes, cool. Yes, lion gets scared by a mouse. So it's like this whole cycle, right? Um, and then you've got these two boats. And you're trying to place animals in the boats um, from one side of the bank to get to the other side of the bank. And you score points by ending up on the other side of the bank. But you have to make sure you're not in a boat with something that's going to eat you. Because you don't end up on the other bank with something that's going to eat you. And you can get extra points if you eat, like, other ones that are lower in your food chain. So you're arranging, but again, no one knows exactly what your role is So because you can influence any of the animals. And then there, you've got a couple specialty like cards that can allow you to maybe empty a boat or swap what's in a boat or uh, get rid of one boat entirely. So those kind of throw a little different like wrench into it. So it plays super quick. And once you play a bunch, you're like, oh, I get it. Let's do it again. Um, because you end up being a different animal each time and kind of working out that logic puzzle is super fun. And so that's Ravenous River. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's the art or what doesn't, why this game doesn't get any love, but it is a good game. It should. It needs more love. It's awesome. It, it is awesome. All right. So next up is a game that Katie spoiled earlier uh, from Scott Alms, and it is called Harbor. This is effectively, if you've ever played the game Lahav, this is a smaller box version of that. 
And what that means is you're basically um, moving your little character around to these different buildings and using that building. Each of the buildings are going to give you special power, special thing you can do. And what ultimately what you're trying to do is buy and sell goods to earn money to make it easier to build a certain amount of buildings. Because that's how the game is going to end. You want to have enough buildings built that you trigger the end of the game. And then whoever has the most points after all that is the winner. Uh, there's cool player abilities. Everybody has asymmetric powers, tons of cards. Um, just just fun. And if you've played Lahav, this will feel very familiar. If you haven't, you if you play this, then you'll go play Lahav and it'll feel familiar. But um, Harbor, fun game. We played it a ton and definitely one that will stay on our shelf for a while. So there you go. Yeah, I would always choose um, Harbor over Lahav just because the setup is so much easier. <laughs> it's like that's true. All the, that is true. It's all the good things of Lahav, but there's like just it's like tiny epic Lahav is really what it is. And the artwork's cute. Uh, the next game on ourself, I have talked about on more than one occasion. I'm pretty sure this we paid five dollars for this one too. Yep, as an AEG little box game, and that is My Star. You know, I love a good Asian themed game, and this is a Japanese card game and it is by Seiji Kanai who I also love I mean the ability to make great games with just a little deck of cards I mean come on that's like genius so my star is where each player is a geisha and then you have a set hand of cards everyone has the same number of cards when they start out and you're trying to get rid of them in order to get rid of them you actually have to play them as guests but you have to have the right attributes to allow the cards to be your guests. So you can also play uh, your cards as advertisements where they actually, you know, give you bonus attributes. And that's how you kind of build up. Um, we were playing... Ka- uh, we talked- no, no, no. We talked about it last week. <laughs> uh, it's got the deer on the front. Oh. Uh, Kanagawa. Ka- Kanagawa, yeah. They're also the same, kind of, which is crazy. I just keep getting mixed up in my brain. Kanagawa has that similar idea with you can only paint what you have, like the symbols for. It's very similar. You can only play the cards that you have the symbols available and the number for. Um, but every time you play a card to use its symbol, you have to draw another one. So you're never decreasing your hand. Also, when you play cards as actual like customers, they have. Um, these special powers that will maybe increase cards for somebody else or allow you to take someone's advertisement or, you know, do certain things that are going to really help manipulate it. And you're trying to go out and get your hand empty at the same time as making sure other people have lots of cards because that gives them more negative money and you are more negative points and you have positive money and it's put in three rounds. So it's like super quick um, but it's really easy to pick up because most people who played card games have no problem with that. Um, and I think the theme is really sweet. So that's my star. It's actually pretty mean, though, for it, a game it about geishas. <laughs> well, no one said that the the world of geishas was nice. Well, that's true. I just I made that assumption, I guess. I don't know. You did. It's not. Just, it's ruthless. Just it's for ruthless ad- world. advertising and trying to get people to come stay in your place, it gets pretty mean. <laughs> yeah. All right, so next up is a game from Tasty Minstrel, but it's in the same size box as those AEG games, and it's called Dairyman. And this is, I don't know who designs it, doesn't matter. It's effectively a, a take on Yahtzee, where you have a bunch of dice that you're rolling, and you're trying to use those dice to fulfill these contracts, and it has to be like a dairy theme, so you're trying to make ice cream and deliver uh-huh. milk and all that, all that kind of stuff, yeah. 
and uh, whoever has the most points after all that is done. So literally, you're throwing dice, you're trying to achieve some goals, meet some criteria by using the proper die faces, and then just score more points than your opponents. There's a little special, some special abilities like you can get ice, so you can turn some butter into uh, um, ice cream, and there's you can get a yellow die that's a cheese die for some things, but generally you're just throwing some dice trying to meet some contracts. But I played this a lot. It's a lot of fun because who doesn't like just throwing a bunch of dice and hoping for the best. I like that. It's fun. So that's dairy man. I love the artwork on dairy man. I don't think playing it is super intriguing, but it's super cute. Yeah. The box is cute. The little farmer's cute. So last week we decided, okay, we need to put, I said, why don't we play the games on the shelf that we're going to talk about this week so that, you know, we know about them or remember them. And there was one game that we hadn't played on the shelf at all, but we had it forever. And that is Kobiakawa. I had no idea what to expect. I kept samurais. It's cool. So, so much theme. I kept thinking it was about, it was the different one with the mask, which is a completely different game. And nor do I know the name of that one either, off the top of my head. But Kobiakawa is a really cool kind of push your luck, maybe bluffing deduction, I don't know, kind of game. Where you've got cards, they're numbered, I think, 1 to 15. Yeah, 1 to 15. And like, legit, like they're 15 cards. Like, that's the crazy thing, right? Um each player starts with with some with like four tokens and then the extra tokens or eight tokens in the middle and that's the rounds. And each round there is a Kobayakawa card. And this is based on um like the samurai clan and so the Kobayakawa their allegiances change based like they love an underdog. So whoever has the lowest number in the fight, the Kobayakawa will back them. Well, to get to the fight, you have to do one thing in your turn. You either draw a card and discard either the one in your hand. So everybody starts with one card. Either one in your hand or you or the one that you just got. And everyone can see what you're discarding. Or without looking, you can flip over a card and replace the Kobiakawa. Which you think, oh, no big deal. Well, if I have like a card that's a one and the Kobiakawa is like a 13, I'm like, whoo, I want to keep the I want to keep this low card. So I might draw. But what if someone after my turn flips a new card for the Kobiakawa and it's a seven? So my one plus seven is only eight. So everyone takes their turn. They either choose the new card, choose a card and discard or change the Kobiakawa. Then you decide, am I going to fight? Because the highest number wins a fight. So everyone, if you're in the fight, you bet one coin. And then you reveal your cards. The lowest player gets their value plus the Kobiakawa. Highest number wins. You get all the betting tokens and the one for the round. That's it. Like it's so easy, but that um that thinking like what are they going to do? What am I going to do? What's the best move? What do they still have in their hand based on what they put out there? Oh man. It's it's so good. It's so good. And like completely simple art. It's just like the number and the Japanese character for the number on the cards. Like at least the version we have, sleek, just blue and red colored cards and some plastic coins. That's it. So good. That's Kobiakawa. Yeah, fun game. And there is a video on our channel of it. You can go check that out if you want to see how it works. But it's, if you haven't played it and you like small games, check it out because it's fun. Um, the next game is another game that we hadn't played until recently. It's been sitting there. This is uh, 
a game from Dice Hate Me, I think. That sounds right. And it's called Isle of Trains. And this is a, a game that's only cards, but each of these cards can be used in a few different ways. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to build up your train with different types of cards, cars, like train cars, that can hold different types of resources. And then on your turn, you're either going to, um, you can draw some cards, you can build a building, some of the cards are buildings, you can take resources and put it in your train or other people's trains. If you put it in another person's train, you get an activated special ability on that card. But you're also giving them a a resource that they'll be able to deliver to a city later. And that's something you can do in your turn too is deliver some resources you have out to one of the cities for points. You're just trying to get as many points as you can as efficiently as you can. And it's all multi-use cards and that's it. So it's a fun little game. Uh, Probably not my favorite game from Dice Hate Me, but I do enjoy it. And that is Isle of Trains. Yeah, after playing it, I'm interested in seeing the new expansion because I think that would make it... Maybe a little bit more interesting for me and want to play it more, actually. Yeah, you can deliver passengers, which is cool. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the next game is another small little card type game, but it is crazy town. Um, so Diner is like a real time card game, which I know sounds bizarre. But what happens is you are a waiter or waitress in a diner. And in order to do your job, you have to have these tokens. I think they're, I think ours might be yellow. They're like red or yellow, yellow, like, like tiddlywinks basically, but you can't complete an action without having one of those. So you start out with a few, but as soon as you take an action and use one, you pass that chip to your player on your left. So then these chips are constantly cycling. At least you hope they are, or you won't be doing actions. So you have to play a chip to take a dish. Uh, there are orders out and it says, okay, how much the order is going to pay? Is it $5, is it $3, is it $6, whatever, generally based on what types of food is on the order. And so you have to play a chip to take one of those orders so that you can try and fulfill it. You've got to play maybe multiple chips to take the different food you need to get for the order. You have to pay to complete the order. Then you can flip it over and you get that money becomes yours and that's part of how you win is by having the most money from completing the most orders. But it is freaking chaos. While you're waiting to get a chip, maybe to grab the food that you want, fill your order, that food might be stolen by somebody else who is able to take an action. Like, it is just, it's chaos. Like, it really is. But it's, it is pretty fun. Um, I think kids would like this too because it is a very simple game. Um, and then they can use simple math to add up the money that they made from their orders. Like, it's a fun little game. And that's Diner. Yeah, it is fun. Uh, Another fun game from Dice Hate Me, which Diner was as well. This one's called Pie Factory. And this is a game, wait for it, all about making pies. Yep. No. Hence the name. And the way that you're doing that is you are drafting cards, cards from the center of the table. I haven't played this for a while, so I'm going off memory and looking at some pictures. Uh, You're drafting cards from the center of the table, and you you're trying to build pies and you need to have a crust at the bottom. Then you need certain kinds of fillings and then you may put something on top, maybe a, a topping as well. And then you can put it in a box for extra points. The trick here is every pie that you make takes a certain amount of time to make. And that is tracked by some other cards. It's like how many rounds you have to build this pie. So you're trying to gather these ingredients all the while adhering to the time and all that stuff 
to try to score points. And there's also some like higher up manager people that are looking for certain kinds of pies to be made. You get extra points and that's it. It's a little card game about making pies and it's fun. So that is Pie Factory. Yeah, it's like a shorter like card version card version of like Pie Town. I think that's the game we played. Yeah. Oh yeah, the one where you like get ingredients from the tree and all that stuff. Yeah. Yes, yes, that is correct. Yeah, but it is fun and it's cute. I mean, why wouldn't you want a game about making pies? Another game that sounds cute <laughs> and looks cute is called Christmas Lights. I think we got sent this like as a review from the designer or something. We we did, and we still put the Christmas ornament on our tree, the little reindeer. We little do, reindeer. and this is cute looking. It has like the old school like big bulbs on these cards that you're playing. It's basically like Hanabi with a Christmas theme. So instead of holding fireworks, I'm holding these Christmas light bulbs, but I don't know what they are. And there's different shapes of Christmas lights. There's different colors of lights. And you're trying to, um, like, you can swap or you can play the cards down. You can trade them. You can draw new ones to try to complete, like, two of these strings of a particular pattern of Christmas lights. I I just don't know why I can't stand that because these kinds of games, because there are several of them. I just I just don't like it. But I know lots of other people do, and it is, like, a super cute, like, there aren't that many, like, cute and somewhat interesting games that are Christmas-themed. And so I think this one is worth a shot. So that's Christmas Lights. Yeah, I. it is a lot cuter than the gameplay. Uh, I agree with you. But if someone wanted to play a Christmas-themed game, this would be one that I would bring out, because it is, it, they'd probably like it more than we do. Yeah. All right, so next up is a really funky game. Uh, it's from Japanime. I played it with our friend Brandon a couple times. I did a video. I just looked it back up, and I have no idea what's going on in this game. So bear with me. You can go watch the video if you want to see actually how it works. But this game is called The Terrifying Girl Disorder. And this is, in all intents and purposes, a drafting game where you're trying to draft these cards of these different types of girls. Like, different named girls. And... The way the game works is, at the end of the game, if you have more of a certain type of a girl than your opponents, you become that girl. So, like, these girls have split personalities, basically, is the theme. And then you get points based on how that that person scores. So, the whole game is about drafting these people, trying to make sure you have more than the opponent, or you have, you know enough more than your opponent so you can be this girl and they're not so you can get points you can score multiple girls just to try to get more points than your opponent there's like a a shard card that you can stab some stuff with i don't know it's crazy i don't really remember much about it but in true japanime form it's different and interesting so there you go so that's terrifying girl disorder yeah in true japanime form it, it's questionable about its treatment yes. of women I just correct yeah yeah, I'm like, should I support this? I don't know. I have not played that one, actually. The next game is from our friend, our relative, Grandpa Beck. And it's called Skull King. Um, this is a pretty popular trick-taking game. And you are bidding on how many tricks you're going to take. There's some really um, interesting like additions almost that you can play this game with. I don't know if it means we have expansions or like I thought I thought they came. I think they're just different additions. Yeah, we have a, an expansion in ours. Okay. Um. So you have to take the exact number of tricks that you bid so you can get points. 
Um, so even if you're like, oh, you know, I happen to win more tricks than I actually bid, that's bad. Don't do that. That's totally against what you're trying to do in Skulking. Um, so there's like four suits, numbered one to 13. You've got pirate cards, you've got a tiger's card, you've got a Skull King card. Um, there's also a mermaid that comes in. And so there's like a Jolly Roger suit trumps the other three suits, but a mermaid trumps all the numbers, but a pirate trumps the mermaid and the Skull King trumps everything. So in, in some ways it is very reminiscent of um, Euchre in that aspect, in that it is like, okay, high card wins, but there are a few exceptions. Um, so for us, this has been a game that a lot of people that we know we've introduced to and they really like who don't play a lot of games because we're from the Midwest and nearly everybody plays Euchre or Spades or some other form of trick-taking bidding kind of game. Um, so this works really well with that. It has really cool artwork as well. And who doesn't love a good pirate theme? So that's sulking. All right. So I'm going to do the next two because they're games that I've played that Katie hasn't. So just easier that way. And the next one is another Hanabi-style game where you're holding cards out so your opponents can see and you can't see. And it is called Mini Diver City. Now, I've only played this as solo, but it basically functions like a two-handed game, except uh, you can't see your opponent's cards either. So all the cards are face down, so you have no idea what's going on. You have to take actions to see cards. And what you're trying to do in this is you are trying to save wildlife or or sea life, I guess, from the hotels that are trying to come in and build on the beach. They need to, when they build, they're going to start collecting the sea life and selling them and like their tchotchke stores. And you're trying to keep these sea life from going extinct. So that's the goal of the game. And that means you're playing like tug of war with these cards in the table. If it goes too far to the left, they go extinct. If you can get them over to the right, they're safe. They won't go extinct and you score some points. It's an interesting little card game. Uh, I wouldn't play this at more than solo, I think, because I hate that Hanabi mechanism, and it works fine as solo. But if you're into the theme, you like that Hanabi stuff, this might be a game for you to check out. So Mini Diver City is that one. That's a punny title. Yeah, it is punny. Yeah, I, I tried to just overlook it. but. <laughs> so the last game on this shelf is not a small box game. It's actually a really big, nice wooden box with... Uh, Etched, the name etched in the top and it's called equity now i don't know who knows about this game this might be like one of the only copies in america i've never seen anybody talk about it i don't even know how i got it it got sent for review i think um and this is all this game is is this is an auction game each round you're going to go and you're trying to auction things and sell them for as much money as you can the goal of the game is you're trying to be the first player to buy a yacht and end with fifty thousand dollars so you're trying to buy things sell them back for more money get your yacht and have 50 50 grand there's bull markets there's bear markets so some of the things are going to be less valuable when it comes to sell them some are going to have better value again i haven't played it for a really long time but it has really nice production really nice bits cool and clean art nice box just i'm not always into just a 100% auction game and bidding game, but this is a decent one if you're into it. So that is equity. Yeah, the box always intrigued me, but I have never played it. Yeah, you probably you probably wouldn't like it. I can't believe we did this already. I would have felt like we were cooking. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a really long episode. But we made it to the end of the shelf. So any surprises? 
anything you're interested in. Do you like small box games like I do? Because they are one of my big draws. If you can make a small box game, have rich decisions and really interesting gameplay in a little tiny space, that's amazing. I think that's genius. So what do you think? You liking these games? New games? Tell us. Find us on Facebook. Hashtag The Riveted, our Facebook group. We've got a Discord chat as well. We've got YouTube. We've got um, Instagram. We've got Twitter. All those things um, so that we can talk about great games. You guys have been like giving great feedback about different things to play and what you think and what you found. And I absolutely love that. If you have games that you think I should buy Jason for his birthday uh, on the 7th, please weigh in as well. Because I have no clue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for being cool. Everybody's cool. Um, Rivet is awesome. We appreciate all of you guys. And like I said up at the top, if you have games that you don't want, I know a guy that's having a birthday. So there you go. Oh, jeez. I don't, why? Like, I want you to say, like, I don't know. I don't know what I need you to say at the end, but we're still working on it, I think. <laughs> We'll get there. Another 20 years, we'll get there. Because every time you say something, and I'm like, why, why did I like pause there for you to speak also? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people expect it now. I mean, they should be used to it. I mean, I don't want to start scripting what we do, but maybe we should a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so next time I come on and you hear me talking like this, because Katie gave me a script, you will know why. It would just be easier just to not let you talk, but... I'll just nod. How do you feel about that? It doesn't really work in <laughs> an audio-only medium. That's true. All right. We had a lot today, so I hope that you enjoy this. Uh, here in the States, it's Labor Day weekend, so maybe you can get some listens in and hopefully some games we want to see and hear about them. So I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Please keep gaming. Katie told me to say this. What is going to happen after this show is over? I can't say because then there will be like a record that could be brought up later and incriminate me. Why are you like this? (laughs) 